Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child Your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the deterrent of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. I am pleased, Truth Seekers, to have on a special guest co-host, Alisa Lisa, how you doing, Queen? How you doing out there? Yeah. Uh-oh. Sorry, I'm hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good morning. Okay. Uh, yeah, we got that background music out. Sorry about that. How you doing, Queen? Thank you for being with us. We also have on a couple of special guests. I'm still got the music in the background. Hold on one second, y'all. Bear with me. My board not showing me that. Hold on one second. A little technical difficulty to start this morning. All right, I think we got the sound out now. Yeah. I do apologize. Uh, yeah. okay. mm-hmm. Hold on, Lisa. Is that maybe maybe you have something in the background before we get our guest on? Is that music or is there something in the background for you, Lisa? Hello, Lisa. Can you hear me? Hello, Lisa. Hello, Alisa, can you hear me? Hey, we, hello. Let me see. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm having some spread. Ebony, is that you? Hello. I'm here, yes. Okay. 
Hey, how you doing, Queen? I think we Alisa may have dropped out. Okay, they're coming. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought we had some background noise. Hopefully, she'll get back in on the show. All right, sorry about okay. that, everybody, for the rough start. Do apologize again. My name is Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. I'm trying to get my special guest co-host Alisa back on, as we have special guest Ebony Spratley, as well as Natalie. Barrihaiho, I still think I messed it up, Queen, but thank you for being with me. You can kind of clarify that for me. Um, but, yeah, I think we're having some trouble with our co-host, um, Elisa. Hopefully she'll get back in. And I thought it was my background noise, but hopefully we'll get her back in. So I do apologize, everybody, this morning for this rough start, but I am glad to have on, again, these two special guests. We do have Elisa back on. Let's see if we can get her back in here now. Hello, hey, Elisa. Hey, I think we got you morning. in. Are you good there now? I'm good. I'm good. Can you hear me? Yes, you're coming through clear now. Okay, sounds good. I was a little confused myself. I thought I had messed up the boards. Uh, again, we're going to get this thing back on track. This morning's discussion question, let me go ahead and drop that out the bag, and I'll get each of you ladies' backgrounds afterwards. This morning's discussion question, is colorism better or worse in 2019? And just for clarity purposes, if you are just now tuning in or have not seen this week's promotions, we are talking about light and dark skin, specifically within the African-American uh, community to a certain extent, but this issue exists even outside of our community. We may mention that later on the show, but to go ahead and get back on track, I do have my special guest co-host this morning, Elisa Ward, if you will, Queen, say hello to all the truth seekers and give people a little bit of your background and we'll introduce our special guest panelists for this morning's discussion. Go ahead, Queen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for having me on the show. You know, I've been a listener and follower and supporter for quite a while, so I'm actually feeling honored to actually even be asked today to be on the show. So for the listeners out there who don't know who I am, I am an emotional intelligence coach, but I'm also a speaker and a writer. And I do a lot in the community, um, both nationally and internationally. Um, I've done some things with the Good Men Project. I was an editor for the Good Men Project Digital Magazine online. Um, and a lot of my work has kind of been seen here, there, and a little bit everywhere. So I'm just happy to be part of this today. Um, and I can't wait till we talk to this, this special guest that we got, too, because um, I haven't talked to her in a couple of weeks. But we'll, we'll talk about that as we get into the show. No, absolutely. We actually have a couple of special guests, but we'll go ahead and introduce the friend that you do know, um, Ebony Spratley. Thank you, Queen, again, for being with us this morning. If you will, say hello to the True Seekers and give us a little bit of your background as we get into this morning's discussion question, is colorism better or worse in 2019? Go ahead, Queen. Well, I really want to say thank you, both of you, um, for inviting me to be on this morning. I really appreciate it. I am Ebony Spratley. I'm from New York. I actually live in Atlanta now. I'm a public relations consultant as well as a project and production manager. I work a lot with independents, <clears throat> excuse me, in the, in, the, in the entertainment, fashion, and nonprofit industries. No, I absolutely appreciate that. And last but not least, I have on um, Natalie Varadio. I'm still messing it up. I'm pretty sure, Queen, if you will <laughs> clarify for me. I practiced it a million times before the show, but I know she'll clarify for me. But thank you, Queen, for being on on this morning's discussion. And if you will, tell people a little bit of your background, and we'll get jumped right into uh, quick opinions before we go to our first break. Go ahead, Queen. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Hello, everybody. My name is Natalie Varadio. And uh, I am originally from Stockholm, Sweden, born and raised. My mom is from Finland, and my dad, dad is Eritrean, so East Africa. So 
I'm a, a mixed child and uh, very international. I uh, run a real estate um, company called Bordeaux Real Estate Group, where I am a realtor and wealth builder and um, the CEO of my company, Otto Keller Williams in Buckhead. And um, I'm super excited to have this conversation on topic because it does come up quite a bit. So great topic that you've picked for sure. And thank you for having me on. Now, absolutely. Um, real quick, um, Natalie, if you will, make for all of you actually, make sure the yeah, I don't have the um, playing in the background or anything like that. Sometimes with the calls feedback, and I see I hear a little feedback, and I think it may be you, Natalie. So I don't know if you have the, the feed playing in the background for any, you know if you're listening, but just throwing it out there. We may have to have you call back in if we can keep noticing it. Yeah, I don't have anything um, but, in the background. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, okay. Quiet. I'm just noticing yeah. a little feedback. Okay. I got it. If I notice it, I know the listeners are hearing it as well, just throwing yep. it out there. Okay, we'll, we'll try to get through it. And, again, if I may, I still may have one of you call back in just in case if we notice it more. All right, but to okay. get into this morning's discussion, um, at least I'll start with you as my guest co-host just to kind of throw it out there. What I always ask to start any of our discussion questions, and it's just a real quick thought, and then we're going to go to a break. And it's literally when I told you this is this morning's discussion, I want you to recall what was your first initial thought when I requested that you come on for this particular discussion question. Do you recall what that thought was? My initial thought when you asked me to come on was that this was a great timing for this. Um, as as you know, and our listeners don't know, um, recently coming off of a Black Women Own the Conversation um, show that me and uh, actually one of the guests here on the show today, Ebony, happened to be in the audience participating in that. And and one of the topics that came up was colorism. And, you know, that was kind of like a one-shot deal. But I, I like that we're having the conversation to continue on. And I thought the timing could not be any better to have this conversation because we've got a lot of people's ears kind of really perk those who know that it still exists and those who feel that it doesn't impact them, realizing that for many people it does still exist in today's world, and and we really need to do a better job in, in having this conversation. Hey, sounds good. I'll give a little backdrop after the break of why this show was chosen on this particular Saturday, so I'm glad to hear that it is um, timely, if, if you will. Um, Ebony, we'll go to you again, Queen. Just your, if you, I know you recently got pulled in on it the last minute, so if, if you just recall when you heard, this is the discussion question, what was your initial thought? If you can make it, like I said, just relatively quick, and we'll get deep into the topic after the break. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I've been dealing with colorism on a very unique scale for quite some time. I am a darker skin, and I also happen to be a very nice person, and... <laughs> Colorism has been at my front door a lot. I've dealt with it on a, quite a few different realms, and I would love the, the opportunity to express that um, because I know there's other people who are, other women like myself who deal with colorism, and it's not so blatant, but it is there. Nice, nice, nice. Natalie, again, you've given your background. So for, from your perspective, when I say, hey, Queen, Hey, you mind doing the show with me? I think you kind of told me your initial thought, which was uh, things were better, but I don't know if that's all that you thought about. So if you can just give me a quick initial thought when I said, do you mind doing the show with me? Yeah, it's interesting. When you asked me that, um, I was like, yeah, absolutely, of course. Anything you need, I'm in. Uh, the topic was unique <clears throat> to me because I do feel like it's changed at some, and we'll get into that for sure. But um, the, my first thought was, wait, how, how do I fit in? Because I'm both, like, I'm mixed. 
And I realized that I definitely have a different viewpoint of it. And um, so I was super excited to kind of share my viewpoint on that. Um, and I've been here since 94, and I've seen a lot of changes in Atlanta and the way that people are approaching and colorism since I got here. You know, I had to choose when I got to Atlanta. So I was super excited about the topic. and was like, I'm all in. Let's talk. All right. Well, everybody's been induced to our amazing guest. Just to highlight this for you, Elisa, you say, hey, this is your first time doing it. Uh, my, my regular listeners know I always try to bring people on the show who are a little smarter than myself, and I think they'll find it out as we go through these next couple of hours. So, Queen, I'm glad to have you co-hosting uh, in the, in the uh, co-pilot seat with me, if you will. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get deep into this morning's discussion. Is colorism better or worse in 2019? Light versus dark skin. We'll be right back. We'll open up the phone lines after the break as well. All I ask is that you think. Did you know that 53% of violent crimes against individuals occur between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m.? That's over half during the daylight hours. What would you do if someone threatened you with a weapon? Don't get caught unprepared. Call your personal safety experts, B-Temps, for their street smart training. If you are a business owner, did you know that businesses are losing over $36 billion annually because their employees are victimized by violence? And over 80% of the violence takes place in parking lots and garages. In many instances, the perpetrator could have easily been warded off with B-Champs Street Smart Training. So whether you are a small private group or a large business, B-Champs offers a personal safety program to fit your needs. Contact them directly at 770 770- Six four three one two eight six. Again, that number is seven seven zero six four three one two eight six. Or visit their website at b champsllccom The word is excuse me. Nobody told you to stand in the hall either. Excuse me. That's better, Miss Thing. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> You heard. It ain't even real. You wish you had hair like this. Girl, you know you weren't even born with blue eyes. That's right. Blue contact lenses. This is jealous. Jealous? Rachel, I've been watching you look at Julian. (laughs) You're not slick. If that was true, he wasn't much to look at. (laughs) Picture Denny. Barbie doll. High yellow heifer. Tar baby. Wanna be white, Jigaboo? Don't start. We're gonna finish it. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Elisa Ward. This morning's discussion question, is colorism better or worse in 2019? Our special guests are Ebony Spratley and McQueen Natalie. Body of high hope. I'm still. I'm pretty sure I'm not getting it exactly right, but I'm trying hard, Queen. Uh, but with that said, I'm I'm challenging each of you, whichever one wants to speak up. Anybody have a, any idea where that cut movie cut comes from? I know y'all weren't prepared to do any movie trivia on this morning's discussion question, but I'm challenging either of you to put, point out where you think that cut just came from. I'm sorry, Queen. Let me get y'all live on the air. Sorry, I got y'all muted. Hold on one second. I'm hosting and producing at the same time, y'all. Y'all work with me if you're a first-time listener. <laughs> all right, I got all three of you live. Which one want to jump in and tell me where that cut comes from? 
School days. That was school days. Who, who said that? Who said school days? They that, got first that's years on Word. Miss Word got school days. We got school days. <laughs> I absolutely expected that. You know, you are a regular attendee to the live experience. You know, we did some, so we did some, <laughs> <laughs> some trivia just last week at the live experience. So, all right, Queen. Yeah, it absolutely comes from school days. It's a classic cut from the movie where you see the, the dark skinned and the light skinned sisters running to each other. You clearly see them hurl. Some, some names at one another that I know when I was coming up, I'd heard all those things. What I will say is I, I, I hope that those things are not going on as much for the younger generation uh, as, as they did for us, per se. But I'll let you jump in and give me your thoughts uh, of that cut. Well, I mean, I, I can say honestly, every time I hear that, it hurts. Like to this day, I can't believe that I can listen to that clip and still feel something really ugly on the inside of me because I grew up as a light-skinned woman being called things like Heinz 57, half-breed, trash girl, uh, wasn't good enough to be on the, on the be black enough, but I wasn't accepted either in the white community because I was painted. And when, and I'm not from that land area, I'm from Delaware, the Delaware, Maryland, like Northeastern shore kind of area. And, you know, as many might know, you know, the KKK is huge in, uh, in the Maryland area. We lived in Maryland for quite a while. So back, you know, during my time, it was, you know, it was, it was a big deal. And, and to not be accepted by either was so hard for me and to even have my hair cut because I was light skinned or not be invited to stuff because I wasn't dark enough. And when I, I remember when that movie came out and I watched it and it really hurt me because I, even though, even being a lighter skinned woman, I always identified more with people who were darker because I felt like they too were excluded. And I felt like there was some sort of commonality there with me because I felt excluded and I'm looking and I literally would stand up for people. So that movie came out and I literally just cried because I thought about all the pain of my cousins that were darker skinned, who were shunned by even lighter people in the family and people who were darker in school who were called different names, but also, there were lighter-skinned people who thought they were better, and I just always thought that was stupid, so I didn't identify with that. And that movie came out, and I thought, you know what, this is a conversation that needs to be had. But what's, what's sad for me is that it's still the conversation in many areas that need to be had. I see it more in Atlanta than I did when I was up north, because even though it's there, I, I see more of an evolution in certain areas of the north than I do in the south. Hey, fair enough. Uh, Ebony, I... Again, you said this. Yeah, you said this is near and dear to your heart. What's your thoughts when you hear that cut? I So I came from New York, and uh, before I became an entrepreneur, I was working in corporate America. And I used to think that it was, uh, what I want to say, um, elevated or more more mature, I guess, the, the, the colorism in New York, where, you know, you see more, mix of people and then blending together and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to Atlanta and you can see, well, from my point of view, I see the, the black community working together. You know what I mean? So yeah, okay. you might be able to be uh, darker skin or, or be black and work in a corporate job in New York and make good money, but you're an affirmative action uh, employee. And a lot of the other things that happen when you're in these offices and when you're at these, these, these jobs, they are still using colorism against you, such as pay, such as, um, you know, I worked in a job once where my boss would go to the gym 
during the day. And I was meant to stay at my desk and make sure that I do whatever it was that he needed to, to have done for him. And if I tried to take a day off or any illnesses or anything like that, it was always questioned and drilled down. So there was, although I was in those environments where I was in corporate America, there still was a separation there. So even though it is evolved, it, it it's not really evolved. There's just different ways around it now. Okay, but fair enough. Uh, Natalie? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Natalie, if you will, again, you coming from a background from being, like you say, being born overseas and here now. Um, yeah, I don't know if you, you may be familiar. I don't know if you're familiar with that cut. You may be familiar with it, but the cut, oh, you know, whether you've seen the movie you know or not, I, you, you definitely can speak to it. <laughs> you know I am. As a matter of fact, that's probably why I ended up coming to Atlanta. I mean, I watched a lot of those movies in Sweden growing up. The real thing is colorism, to me, exists in the United States, but not really as badly in Sweden. Like, in Sweden, we were either immigrants or Swedes, right? So we all got lumped into just one. They used to call us blackheads, right? And blackhead just means dark hair. And when I came to Atlanta in 94, uh, and actually I was an exchange student in West Limestone, Alabama in 93. And okay. we're talking about, yeah, KKK heavy, right? And I had to pick. Like, I never in my life had to choose my heritage being white or black, and I got to the United States, and people are like, well, what are you? I came and went to Morris Brown, which is HBCU in Atlanta, and literally that's the first time I truly felt racism, and it wasn't from whites. It was the African-American community at HBCU, which was basically, hey, what are you? Like, where do you fit in? You know, it's the same thing as one of the young ladies just spoke about. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm both. And... uh I remember being called red bone, light skin, what up, red, um, all of those things. And to me, that back then it was kind of like, okay, that's kind of cool. Now looking back, that was so disrespectful. Like, I'm Natalie. I'm not red bone. I'm not what up, red. Um, it, it was really I – don't, I don't think I realized the effect that those words had on me at the time. And now mm-hmm. if somebody says that to me, I check them on that. No, you're not going to call me that. That is not who I am. I'm Natalie. Call me by my name, right? Uh, but yeah, the right. colorism for me, I definitely in '94 was huge, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was really frustrating. Yeah, I remember. And let's let's even speak to this. Uh, you know, I had you come speak at the Mental Dialogue Live experience maybe a couple months ago, maybe two or three months ago, and I remember your intro, which was beautiful. Uh, considering you know, for the most part, the Mental Dialogue Community Club, why we're absolutely open to all communities, we make it real clear we're handling black issues, you know what I mean? So we definitely have right. members of different races, but generally speaking, it's a mostly a majority black community as far as, again, because we're dealing with trying to improve the African-American community. And I remember when I had you come speak on real estate, which you're an expert on, especially, um, you know, here in the Atlanta area, I remember you led with, hey, I know how y'all are looking at me. My, you know, my mother's dead. My dad's an Adrian, so I'm more African than most of you. You know what I mean? Like, you're literally led with that because you're very aware that, again, people are going to ask, what do you look like? I mean, if, you know, from some respects, you know, some people may think, which is with your last name, they may assume Spanish to a certain extent. So you made it Absolutely. very clear in the opening. So you're in a sense, you are aware of it. Uh, again, America made you aware of it, but, again, it's just to even give context to 
uh, what you know, what if for those out there listening who can't see you now, you know, what what did that exactly entail when it, you know you get the red bone again? To a certain extent, a lot of if men said it to a certain extent, we thought we were saying it as a compliment, you know, to a certain extent. Just to even throw that out there uh, for the. Listener out there listening, if you want to get in on this morning's discussion, you will need to press 1. For the online listeners, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. Press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We do have a true seeker on the line. Let's see what their three sentences is on this morning's discussion. Area code three one eight last three one four nine. Give us your name, where you're call, calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Well, grand morning, grand morning, grand morning, my soya. This is Brandy Gates, also known as Bethany on Facebook, calling from the Atlanta area. So I want to chime in on this conversation. Um, my experience is very different. Um, I actually didn't experience or understand the racism and the colorism separate within our people. Like, I saw school days when I was a kid. Uh, I come from a large family. My grandmother had 16 kids, so we have the whole rainbow in our family. We got the high yellow, <laughs> the brown sugar, and the dark chocolate. And we never had that within our family. So, like, that wasn't nice. my experience, you know, growing up. So I didn't really understand, I guess, how big of an issue it was to people until I went to college in Louisiana which I'm from Oakland, California, so I grew up around, you know, very well-diverse people. And so, you know, I've kind of observed some things. It didn't bother me per se, but it kind of helped me to see, like, how I I feel I had a really balanced upbringing of, you know, the unity and loving, you know, people and treating people with a certain level of respect. So to I can say living here in Atlanta, it's still a real big issue. I don't really know the reason why behind it, but like, for instance, with the hair, you know, whether you have your, wearing your natural hair versus relaxed hair, right? It's such a big Mm -hmm. thing that people feel obligated or that they need to say something to you. And then they make the assumption if you have a relaxer that you have self-esteem issues and you don't love your natural beauty and your natural hair, and they used to say things like that to me, and I'm just like, you know, thank you if that was your way of trying to compliment me. However, you know, <laughs> it's just a preference. You know, I mean, my mom was a hairstylist. Right. I grew up in the hair industry. My hair is very healthy with the relaxer. It's just what I prefer because it's easier for me to do. But at anyways, you know, I probably shouldn't even explain myself, but, you know, that's how I started being able to see that is really such a big deal. And I'm like, to me, it's not, it, none of that is an issue to me. Wear whatever looks good, makes you feel good, and as long as it's decent and presentable, you know, do you. Whether it's a hair weave, whether it's a wig, whatever, it don't matter to me. I've just never had that hang-up. But it's sad to see that just some bad habits were ingrained and taught to us right. um, as a whole. And, and most of it started within, you know, the home probably more so than the outside world, you know, what others said to to us or, you know, and things like that because um, I know growing up in the South, you know, that was, it was a cultural thing, you know, from the time of slavery, right. you know, light skin, dark skin. So I get it and I understand, but I always say, you know, I just try to correct people and say, you know, 
that really shouldn't matter whether my hair is natural or whether it's relaxed. If my hair looks good, then compliment it. If you can't do right, that, right, right, then right. maybe let, yeah, you Let me to, jump in, you know, if you will, Queen, because I want to get I want to get some of my um, my guest thoughts on what you had to say. I will tell you. Yeah, I, can I, I jump love in fact, on that yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Let me just say this real quick, and I'll let you jump in. So I just want to say, to, um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Randy. I love that your family, based on what you just explained, that that's kind of how they handle it. I will tell you, I'm surprised to hear a family handling that way because I'm tip, I'm used to family that has that full range. They would have those issues inside the family. My former co-host who was raised. I think in the upper North Carolina area, I hope she calls in today or whatever, but there was a huge issue in, in that area for her being even raised out there. The color colorism was, if I remember correctly, I hope she calls in, but I think she said she experienced more colorism than racism just within her own family. So I'm loving the fact that your family handled it like that. Um, yeah, who was trying to jump in to speak on um, Brandy's point? Please go ahead and jump in. Uh, this is, yeah, this is Natalie. Uh, what so, Brandy, you said that you're still feeling uh, colorism in that lineup. Was that, did I hear you correctly? Yes, I, I experienced uh, it. It doesn't bother yeah, me. Yeah, and it's so it's interesting bad. you said it. Yeah, and you you obviously are very strong female and, like, whatever. It's, I'm not letting that get to us. And I think a lot of us at this point have, have gone past that. It's interesting because I used to teach in high school for 10 years, and I was a head basketball coach. And I do feel that in Atlanta um, it's gotten better. And I don't feel that Atlanta colorism is as prevalent as it was when I was in, in 1994, and especially with the younger generation coming up. You know, it's, it, I, I think, you know, people are making comments, and it's just trying to have conversations a lot of times, and everybody's trying to put their two cents in on, hey, you got your hair this way or that way. I think that us that are older and have gone through and really experienced colorism at a high level, so to speak, we're quick to also judge about is it because of that. Um, but as I'm looking at my, my – my, I have two sons, one 22 and one that's 17. I don't know how because I'm only 25, I feel like. <laughs> but um, – and they're both African – they're both African American. You know, my husband is, is, is chocolate, brown skin, right? One is darker and one is lighter. And in high school, they've never had colorism necessarily from other African Americans like I did okay. in 94. So I've seen it change, nice. and now it's more so about socioeconomic and how and who you are as far as your background. And it's not tied to me. For me, what I see, it's not tied to colorism. It's more so what, how much money does your family make and what level are you at and where do you live, right? Right. It's more um, so other I things. feel like yeah, that's that changed. Yeah, that's changed drastically uh, since 94 okay. to me at least. Right. And that's a sense of saying better, um, Brandy. Uh, we're up against the break, Queen. I thank you for your thoughts. I'll see if any of the uh, other guests have anything to say about what you had to say coming out of the break. We're going to play a cut that I want the guests to listen to. But thank you for your three cents this morning. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm glad I was able to tune in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm glad. I'm always glad. Keep tuning in and share the, share the, share the live feed with anybody that's, you know, listening out there. Share it with them. Will do. All right. Sounds good. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen.
wanna do some things. I know that I can do If you're loving this as much as I am, be sure to go to their YouTube page and subscribe. Search for Square Business Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love can't define this. Love can define it. Can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define it. We're crippled and love would only blind us. Like, so they casted this light-skinned girl as the lead, and Kendrick Lamar sp- spoke up and spoke and chose you instead. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really respect his decision to do that. To be racist. It's not being racist. It's only because when you think of the history of video girls mm-hmm. and the representation of women of color, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, you're always seeing a light-skinned girl. So it's good that this artist that has the power to do that mm-hmm. took matters into his own hands and said, you know what, I want to represent my video like this. Mm. Right, I mean, he changed the game up a little bit. Exactly. These so artists front like they can't do that when they can. So it's fine that somebody picked somebody to do something strictly on the color of their skin. He makes a good point. Within this regard, within this regard, you fine. You know what I'm saying? You fine. Within this regard, I would say yes because now he's rooting for the underdog, and the black women or darkest tone women have been the underdog for a very long time because we weren't viewed as being as being beautiful. We weren't that blonde hair, blue eye woman. You notice that? Because (laughs) we weren't that vision of beauty that society mark deems as beautiful. So I respect the fact that he chose her to do that. How did you feel when that happened? Um, I guess it was flattering. I mean, I do agree with what she said. I feel like women of darker skin tones are like um, underrepresented, and mm-hmm. I well, feel like over sometimes because it, of our skin tone too. Right, and I feel like it's looked at. It's like it's not really normal to put girls with darker skin in music videos, but I feel like if more artists start to do it, and he kind of switches up the industry standard, then it'll become a normal thing. Like, Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with guest spe- special guest co-host, Elisa Ward. This morning's discussion question is colorism, better or worse, in 2019. I have two beautiful queens on with us as guests, Ebony and Natalie. And Ebony, I'm going to let you kick off that cut because I think it fits more along your lines um, in reference yes. to what we just heard. But for anybody listening, that's a, a Brittany Sky. She was a lead in um, – Kendrick Lamar song, Poetic Justice, from a few years ago, and that's a cut from Hot 97. If you will, Ebony, jump in the way you fit in on that one, Queen. I think you, you can definitely speak to that issue. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so I, I I agree to a certain extent that, yes, uh, dark-skinned women in the entertainment industry have been underrepresented. But what I will say in 2019 and being a part of the entertainment industry and fashion industry, I do see that there has been a massive change. And not only is the change in the representation, but the respect, too, for our skin color is coming through some of the most popular songs now. Um, Hearing songs like Brown Skin Girl, um, hearing songs that give or pay homage to the skin color of black women and of all hues of the black woman, I think is, is more prevalent now than it has ever been. I don't remember. And my name is Ebony. So you could just imagine I've heard Ebony and Ivory my whole entire life. <laughs> 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 That's all when they hear, but 
my name. And that was pretty much the only thing I had, you know, kind of coming up, even though I didn't like it because I felt like people were making fun of me because of it. But when you listen to the song, it is kind of trying to uplift black and white in unison. And I feel like now with the music that I'm proud to put on for my nieces who are mixed, they are, um, they're, they're half black and half Dominican. We have like, like the other woman uh, that just called in, my family has a, a plethora of hues. We have all the way from Chinese Trinidadians to white and black Trinidadians. Like it's just, we have a very big mix of color in my family. So within my family, um, we haven't really experienced colorism, but, when we come outside, obviously you do. But in the entertainment industry, I do feel like right now we are being represented way more than we were before. And it's actually, I tell this all the time to people that it feels good to see myself. It doesn't matter, you know, what they're doing. Any black woman that's doing something, it just feels good to see myself on TV or it feels good to see myself um walking down the street I wear my hair natural most of the time I wear afro so I really embrace my blackness to the fullest and I do see how my nieces my nephews my cousins and everyone behind me now they're doing pretty much the same thing in their own unique way so it's representation but it doesn't only come from the top you have to have it in within yourself too so that you can reach the people that can reach you as well so it has no no that's that's, that's very very strong yeah, if you will, that's very, very I love strong. The way it's and yeah. No, absolutely. If I could just say this and I wanna hear Elisa's thoughts. Uh but I'll say if you think a, if you think back, you like you say, being in the entertainment industry, Kendra did that award about really actually about four years ago. So to a certain extent, maybe what you're seeing now is in a sense to a certain extent, maybe he kicked it off because it was kind of, it was made note of. It shouldn't have been made note of, right? But the fact that it happened, right. it kind of spread throughout the industry, and they said, hey, Kendra's going against the industry norms. So we're actually seeing, you know, as you say, you being in the industry, now what you're experiencing is the results of him taking that, that stance and more people saying, yeah, I want to be like that, brother, and not just have what we've always seen for the last, you know, over the past decade or so uh, video vixen always being you know of a lighter hue so so I definitely think it's, it's actually nice to hear that it has gotten better even inside the industry. Alisa any thoughts uh, on any of this if you will Queen? And to Ebony's point you know I, I'm going to date myself a little bit. A while ago I um, I used to sing in a band. <laughs> I was lead vocalist, for, lead vocalist for a band in the northeast and traveled up and down that, that whole northeastern shore kind of area um, and also owned an independent record label and had an opportunity to manage some hip-hop artists that were, you know, up-and-coming independent artists. And when we think about what the music industry and these videos look like today versus what they look like at that point, absolutely there is a big shift. There's a big change, and it's a very positive shift, a very positive change, and it's great to be able to see that we are including people because they need to be included as humans as opposed to, okay, well, I need the light look or I need this look or I need that look. And and, and to my point earlier about the evolution, we are evolving. It is getting better because before I think it was more all over versus now we've got pockets that we still have to deal with. But in that, you know, we can't, we can't forget the fact that this is us. This is something that we did to us. You know, if you read 
Henry Louis Gates has a book called The Future of Race, and he talked about, you know, when he was at Yale, there were students that had come from New Orleans, and it, they put the paper bag on the door. People were talking about the paper bag test. The paper bag test came from us because if you weren't of a certain shade, then you couldn't get in the door. If you, if you were too dark, you couldn't get into those parties. And then it flipped the script, and eventually it went to if you were too light, you couldn't get into those parties. So it came from us, and it's still – is us, and we have to be the ones to fix it. So regardless of whether we experience or not, one of my favorite terms right now is epistemic humility. And with epistemic humility, we have to realize that we only see part of the picture and we see that part from our perspective. So even though I may see things as this right now, Ebony and our other guests and you may see something in a different light, but what we have to see at the core of it is the hurt. That's what's the mm. most important part of it. I don't care where it came from. I don't care who's doing it, who's continuing it. If someone says to me, I experienced this and this hurt me, it is my responsibility to say, if I did it, what do I need to do to fix it? If I didn't do it and I have an opportunity to be part of the group that can help to fix that, then that's my role to do that because that's what basic humanity is about. So when I see my dark-skinned sister telling me that she sees it in corporate America, she sees it in the industry, she sees it when she walks down the street, she feels it. It's the same thing I feel when I walk into a store and I know they're looking at me way different than they look at people that are lighter than me, right? So I feel that and I see that. But she may have a a perspective on that that I don't. But at the end of the day, what comes down to it is that we're hurting one another. I have people in my family who still call my kids white because of the way they speak, because of the way they act, because of where I live, because I live outside the perimeter in Atlanta. And that's just ridiculous to me because trust when I tell you I am one of the least white people you will ever meet. I'm educated. But believe me, if it goes down with my people, I'm going down with my people, and that's the way that it is. But we have to deal with the fact no matter where it came from, this is hurt that we are projecting on one another, and it needs to stop. So let me say this to you, Queen. Yeah, let me. Yeah, whereas, whereas you absolutely nailed how we should handle one another's hurts, because that can apply to any you know any issue. You know, right? Not just this issue. You know, just being empathetic to somebody else's experience based on you know your situation. Maybe you don't have that experience, and a lot of times we're not always open to seeing it through other people's eyes. Now, when you say no matter where it comes from, here's where I would like to dig into this. I would I would say, in a sense, while we obviously, as Ebony talked about, as Natalie talked about, coming down here to the South is when they kind of really got introduced to this, even this concept to a certain extent, to the degree that it, the concept of colorism to the degree that it exists. And while we are perpetrating it amongst one another, the where it come from, I think, actually does matter. Like, I, and and and, what I, and I'm not saying that you, you're saying it doesn't matter, but when we say we have to stop it, in no matter where it comes from, is it's it, it that's kind of a perspective that I think, in my opinion, makes it difficult to to deal with it because it's like, well, we just need to stop it when you first come to realize that some of this starts from imagery. Uh, the industry in itself, and again, as much as we're highlighting the improvement in the industry, uh, if we're saying that this is still an issue, if you're telling me I had a conference where it still came up, then it lets me know that some of the psychological programming of of what beauty standards are, right? Like that's what even creates this, right? The, you know, the concept of what I heard when I was young, uh, you know, you're light, bright, and damn near white. Like that was considered a better thing. 
Uh, but, you know, somebody of darker who's saying it was really just kind of flashing back because light-skinned blacks throughout history, especially in the South, that's why you, I think y'all have experienced that coming to the South based on the Jim Crow laws and things of that nature. There's historical context of them having even privilege within the race. Some of it is exaggerated based on how history has been taught, just to throw that out there. But there mm-hmm. has been there's been very re, very true realities, you know, to the extent we go all the way back to people who lived as white due to 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 keep from experiencing racism to the degree that they would experience it. So we can't disregard that and understand that that is the history of where it comes from. So if, I wish it was as simple as saying don't do that. Because if you're saying you have family members, I get—I don't know their history and for why they're so judgmental of your children, Elisa. But I will say, it's—it's it's almost like you have to deal with the programming in order for it to stop. In addition to saying on the spot, don't do that. If if if, Can if I that interrupt makes this? sense. What, what, what? Yeah, yeah. We're actually let me let me do let me do this let me do this let me go to this break and then I'll definitely let y'all come back and and hit that. Um, you know where we are. I got to take care of my sponsors, if you will. So. Uh, thank y'all, you know, very much for your passion, and we will definitely allow you to get to that. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases, and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Elisa Ward, a special guest of Ebony and Natalie, and whoever wanted to jump in on my cut before the break, please go ahead and do so. I'm bringing you all live back on the air. Thank you all, Queens, for being with me. I'm gonna, I want to uh, come back on that, Montoya, to make sure that, that my point on that was clear. And it's really not – I wasn't just saying – about that we just need to stop, period. The thing is, we have to understand, you're right, we have to understand, um, or I agree, that, 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 you know, we are understanding where it comes from, but I think that the conversation is we, we know where it comes from. We know where it is. So for me, it's more solutions-based and saying that we have to stop it. We've got to stop it at every angle that it's happening. But in stopping that, 
I think one of the keys in understanding why it needs to stop is because the hurt and the pain behind it and what it caused, and, and it stops us from having forward movement if we if we don't stop it. So so it's more about understanding. Yes, it's there, and I know where it comes from. We know exactly where it comes from. Johnson Johnson did a uh, I'm sorry, um, Johnson Publishing did a commercial back in the day, how to sell to to, to blacks, and they talked about you know all the things that that we like and what we need and what we just said, where, where did they learn it from? Right. So we know where this is, where, where we learned this from, but the fact of the matter is it's up to us to make it stop within our community. And if we are able to make it stop within our community, we become stronger, we unify and we can fight even more in other communities that are projecting that on us. Right. And so uh, what I'll say, and I'll definitely want to hear Ebony and Natalie's thoughts on this and Natalie, I'll come to you after this, but what I, what I will offer just to just, this at you. We quite often say we know know these things, and I would challenge you and say the reason that they're very effective is because, for the most part, we're, we we don't know what we think we know. What happens is those of us who have come into the know, uh, I and again doing this work for a long time is not called it's called mental dialogue for a reason. Again, getting into the psychology of of what of what our experience is, just like you say, I, I definitely have seen how to sell to the Negro, as you said, that Johnson Johnson published years ago. But what I know that a, a, just a decade ago that the doll test that was so infamous in the, for example, in the desegregation, right. you know, when that that was used in that legal case, when I when they redid it just a decade ago, and it's still very effective, I, I would say that we are not aware of of how to defend against the psychology. We are becoming aware of it. That's what this movement, the things that we're saying, the progress that is taking place, because I do agree with everybody that says, you know, that we've progressed. I know that, I, you know, I was, I'm surprised that the young people to a certain extent still go through it. I, I definitely reached out to some young people. I hope they call in and tell us what they are, what their experience are. And Natalie's kind of relayed that she don't feel like her children have experienced it like we did. So, again, I think that improvement has taken place. In part, it's taken place because we have finally, in my opinion, we finally, because we fell in love with our melanin, with that movement that's kind of just getting pushed now, I would say. I think we definitely had the black power movement in a sense before our time, but to a certain extent, we grew up lost on that. And so now that we're coming back, in a sense, learning to love our melanin, loving to, learning to love our skin, we now see children. You know, parents seeking out books to have make sure their children see themselves in books. But that's a new thing. And so I think that's why the improvement is taking place. But I would still say the, the masses um, still are unaware of the psychology, you know, just in, as a thought. Natalie, any, any thoughts on that, um, you know, just from your perspective? Again, you mentioned your children have not experienced it, which I do agree is a good thing. Yeah, um I really think that our generation is kind of still, we're, we're dealing with hurt around it, right? So when you're exposed to something that's created uh, created hurt to you or you've seen it, anything that happens around you, you start looking at that from that, those eyes. I think that uh, mm-hmm. at least with my kids, you know, we live in Dunwoody. You know, I made a choice to live in Dunwoody. They, they go to a very good school. And uh, so their exposure to that has definitely been um, different because of it. Um, they don't know, and therefore they don't look for it as much as we do. And so mm-hmm. I have a choice. So when I see that there's something being said, I can look at it from a different lens um, than they might. So I think that we we can stop it, but it starts with stop that the way you look at things, right? 
So um, that's my biggest biggest deal is even with friends of mine, I I, I run around circles of people that pretty much own their own businesses. Uh, we're creating our own wealth, right? So we deal with our clients and we deal with uh, our companies. And because of it, we have choices. Uh, we don't, I don't work for a corporation. Uh, when I was a financial analyst and worked for corporate America, did I have other opportunities because I was light-skinned and maybe somebody that was dark-skinned? Yeah. Maybe. And I'm sure. But I think it was more so because I did not focus on that. So I created relationships that um, that created opportunities for me. So I choose no, to no, I not focus it. on it. No, I love it. I love it. And I think I think more of us are doing it, in my opinion, in the sense that if it's getting better, it's because we are defining ourselves versus historically, I think a lot of our hurt, and I think, Alisa, you would agree with this. And again, I wasn't just trying to disagree with your entire point. I was just kind of pointing to a nuance. But I would say that we um, have gotten better because we're not allowing, in a sense, outside validation. I think it, I think we, I think we would agree to that, that this issue came from outside validation, but we are getting better with it. We actually have a caller. Let's get to the caller. For the other callers that are on the line, if you want to get in, you do need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Area code 202-3663. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. You do. I think you got something in the background, if you will, so you can kind of cut that background noise out so we can hear you clearly. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. All right, maybe they don't want to talk. All right, for the other callers out there listening, make sure you press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Ebony, if you will, go ahead and jump in, Queen. Yeah, um, I wanted to just add to to the point you all are making. I have my I'm, – I'm a millennial, so I have a, a different outlook on, on things and a different outlook on life. And I will agree with Natalie where when I was younger, I never really paid much attention to the color of my skin. I just – went for it. So I did end up getting great jobs. I got a lot of good jobs. I did work around different colored people and I never really paid it any attention. I never really cared too much for the color of my skin back then. I just knew, you know, I can do this. So I'm going to go go after it. But the narrative changed. That that was because my narrative wasn't of, oh, I'm dark skinned and oh, I can't do this. And oh, the, the narrative was I can do this, so I'm going to go for it. And if I can't get it, then maybe it's just something maybe intellectually that I'm not prepared for or, you know, something like that. So I never put the pressure on my color, on the color of my skin. It wasn't until I got into the corporate scene where I was in more of a corporate office when I started to see where my, my, my skin color was now becoming an issue for the people that I was around and, and for me as well. I would voice my opinions and I would be ignored. I would be disregarded. They would, you know, look over me and pick someone else. I would be moved. There was one time I was actually uprooted from my desk with a cubicle and everything like that to go sit on the outskirts. And they put a a, a white lady where I was sitting and explained to me that it was just because she was more, uh, I forget what they said, that she was more connected to the girl that she was sitting next to. But I was working with the girl that she was sitting next to. But I was on the outskirts of the office, just kind of off of my own. Wow. You know, it did take a bit. It took a bit of me about you know doing going through that took a little bit away from me. But instead of re- retreating, I changed the narrative, and eventually I put my two weeks notice. The same girl that they switched me for, 
admires me to this day that I took that leap of faith to go ahead and come out to Atlanta and do my own thing and be my own boss and still not making it a color thing, just mm-hmm. more so this is my narrative. So that in, 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 in conjunction to what you are saying and what um, Alicia is saying about uh, it needs to stop, it does. And it is just as simple as changing the, your own personal narrative. And that's where I hold my people accountable where stop being the victim or stop making things victim, you know, making it feel like you're a victim and be the victor. You know, let your skin color not be the reason why you move forward because you moving forward is actually the change in the narrative that others need to see. Now, I love that boldness. Yeah, I love that boldness, if I can say this. And and, and just to reiterate this, Alisa, I'll let you jump back in. The the idea, and this is, I think this is the beauty of what we've gotten to in 2019. Again, we asked, is this better or worse? Is colorism better or worse? And so, so it sounds like, Ebony, if I heard it clearly, you were lucky enough, which again speaks to the better part, that you were lucky enough that you didn't hear maybe some of the, the things that we heard when we were younger. You know, you being a millennial, because we definitely, this was no, definitely, no, no. Uh, you know, picked on. Like we were, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just kind of what I want to move to. You, okay, okay, I got you. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Jump in. Sorry about that. I, I don't want to I don't want to say that because I definitely did. My name is Ebony, so I got it a lot, a lot from my gotcha, community gotcha, where I live in the yeah, areas that it. I live. Mm-hmm. And I, but but I didn't let that stop me from going to apply to a job in in middle in Midtown and going to get a court. Right. I see my people who are from the same places that I'm from, and they don't value themselves enough to even try to get a higher paying job. Okay. It's almost like uh, okay. It's like yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, and I think that's somewhat of a different issue to a certain extent. You know, I mean, if you will, and again, that comes up in our community all the time about how these type of things affect us. And 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 I'm just in a sense kind of trying to have that dialogue between what happens with, inside of our community. And you, but I think I wanted to point out was your boldness and how you, in fact, again, did didn't let another culture kind of say, hey, here's where you have to be stuck. And so that's the other thing that I see that is happening with our community. The more of us who are not allowing, as I say, outside culture to define us, the more of us that are jumping out there and creating our own narratives, which I think is a beautiful thing. Uh, Alisa, any thoughts from you, Queen? Um, you know, for me, my thoughts from the, the corporate perspective, especially um, having a lot of interaction on that corporate side of the world at this point, dealing with businesses and executives and, and leadership and things like that, is that I think that re- when we have the opportunity to make change and, and to the other person's point, to, to change that narrative, grab it. You know, if I if I'm in a workplace and I see that, my sister, my brother, dark skin, light skin, in between, whatever, is not getting those opportunities that they should get because they've got the same qualifications or better, then at what point do I make sure that my my crown as a queen is the one that speaks up and says, okay, how about so-and-so? How about giving them a chance? How about doing this? Or being able to support them. And for those of us that are in position to do so, why aren't we mentoring other folks instead of, you know, in some cases, not all. Hey, if you will, real quick, I'm sorry to cut you off, but um, whoever's doing something in the background, mute yourself, if you will, because it's definitely coming through on the the, uh, feed this morning. So if you're doing some, if you're not sitting still or doing something, I can hear some, a lot of movement in the background, please mute yourself and we'll bring you back on. I'm sorry, Alisa, go ahead. That's right. 
You know, and, and sometimes we get so caught up in life that we have the get mine mentality. I got to get mine first before I can do whatever. And, you know, sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not. But at the end of the day, if you want to get yours, we got to get ours. Because if it wasn't for those who went before us, who helped with, with that get ours mentality, we wouldn't even be where we are. So with the progression, I think that that progression and, you know, Every time you get an opportunity to do something and and you notice that somebody else may not, pay, first of all, pay attention, be aware. But when, when they're not, give them the opportunity. Just be part of, the, part of the solution. No one person can fix this because no one person broke this. But what we can do together is is take responsibility and do our part. We're having this conversation no, today where something might might not be on my radar. Yeah, I love it. But mm-hmm. because it's not on my radar doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And no, absolutely. So we actually at the up, top of the hour, know, Queen. So, um, no, nah, right. absolutely. I think that's a strong thought for the top of the hour break. So we're going to go to the top of the hour break. we got some callers out there, if you will. Make sure you are pressing one to let us know that you want to speak. We'll be right back. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. I know that when I'm being called light skin, as somebody's trying to holler at me or whatever, like it's a compliment. But, but it's uncomfortable for me to be called light skin because it's like you're calling me, you're saying I'm different from you. You're saying that I'm not, I'm not, and you're like you're excluding me from a community. But it's more of like a dismissal. Yeah. And being black and white, like I'm not gonna, t- I'm not gonna not tell you my mother is white, but I'm not white. I am not half white. I am a black woman. I don't like that we're separated by skin tone when I could have been, I could have had two black parents and been the skin tone. I, I'm hearing a lot about, you know, this, this the European or Eurocentric standard of beauty. But I'm also sometimes offended when people on the color spectrum would question my um, sort of commitment to the race. I think there's a part of me that also resents if someone's saying, well, if you're not natural, you didn't do this, which I feel like I'm natural. I didn't, I didn't have any chemical in my hair, but mm-hmm. I decided, yeah, I want to blow dry my hair. And that doesn't make me any less than one of my sisters who's deciding something else. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Alisa Ward. This morning's discussion question, is colorism better or worse in 2019? 
have a special guest, Ebony and Natalie. I'm sorry. Natalie on with us this morning. We actually have a caller that wants to jump in, so let's go to the caller, see what they want to say. For the other callers out there listening, you do need to press 1 if to get to let us know you want to speak. For those online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. You do need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Yeah. Brother Piaki out of St. Louis, what you got for us, King? Thanks for calling in this morning. Man, you really have some earth-shattering topics, Montoya. I hope you mean that as a compliment. <laughs> Go ahead, King. But, you know, this thing uh, <clears throat> on colorism, this is something that has evolved into where it is today. And there is a difference, and I've, you've heard me say this, between what you call, what's been called, uh, described as black and objective black African-American. You have to have objective black because Teresa Hine Carey can claim to be African-American. And you have a community in California of white South Africans who have moved to the United States and all of a sudden became, you know, African-Americans. And, you know, it, it, it it's, it's kind of tedious. Uh, men, uh, women, they're going to have their prejudices toward the skin color of the person they want to have a relationship. Now, when you're coming down, when you're talking about business, you have laws against discrimination. Okay, which includes skin color. But those laws don't spread over into the social aspects of individuals. Individuals are going to have their prejudices. And it has always been that way. And just like the last clip you played, when the lady said that she has a white mother, okay, but she says, I'm black. Okay. So it's apparently she has light complexion. She light skin. Mm-hmm. But what is well, what is Shaquille O'Neal? Is he black? What is he? So we have evolved into these identities that are very, very, they complicate themselves. I mean, you, they really do. When it comes down to work, like I heard the, the one lady, young lady, was talking about she was placed way over there, and she says because her, well, discrimination on a job because your skin color is against the law. All right. But discrimination in society because of your skin color, as people look upon it, is not against the law. That is something that people feel that people gravitate to. Right. If you kind of right. understand what I'm saying. No, I understand exactly what you're saying. What I want to do, I want to let Elisa kind of jump in on and, you. And real um, quick, let me okay, show you. Let's look, at, let's look at another ethnic group. It happens in other ethnic groups too. It does. Absolutely does. And I just talked to my wife, and I asked her about it. And she said, yes, it happens. In, and she's from Ghana. It happens in Ghana. Uh, Jerry Rollins was the last national president of 
God, it wasn't the last, but he was one of the recent. His father was Scottish, white. His mother was Ghanaian. He was elected as the national president, but he could never be a member of the Ashanti Henny, the Ashanti Henny Kings, because he's mixed. Now, that's a reality. And one other thing, here in the United States, in the actual world, real quick, but this is very important. I gave you one quick, okay? You got to work with me. Well, let me call back there. Let yeah, me yeah, get, get back, back in. in on me. You know I don't mind you getting back in. Yeah, let me go ahead. Okay. And Alicia, I'm I'm pressing on one to get off. Yep, yep, absolutely. And I'll get you back in later. All right, Alicia, All right. any thoughts about uh, what Brother Piyaki brought to the table? Because I think he's absolutely right um, in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, we do do that. When I heard him speak of it, the first thing I thought about is when he's, well, he kind of said it. He said when people are selecting who they want to select, you know, historically, you know, my skin sister to a certain extent. I know when I was growing up, and that's what I heard from the young people when I asked that question this week, they're still kind of put on a pedestal from the standpoint of attractiveness. And we often say that comes from, you know, the idea of not seeing our melanin as beautiful. And I think, again, we think that's improving, but that has been a historical context that I think has existed for a long time. And like you said, that in itself is not against the law, but it's a reality. Any thoughts on that, Alicia? Right. Well, well, the thing is, some of the, the other work that I've, I've done is, is with the, in the DNI space, diversity inclusion space. And, and when that happens in the workplace, that's what we call a microaggression. Right, so in a microaggression, it's 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 a subtle, indirect way of still projecting that onto people. Because he's correct, there are laws in place for things, but when you're trying to put these laws into place and to be able to say that this law has been broken, then the burden of proof is on that person. And how do I say because I was light skinned, because I was dark skinned? No, you're a black person, you still got the job, this, that, and the other. So that's what the employer or the company or whomever it is is actually going to stand on from the place of the law. But the other part of that is, you know, for us that know, we have to push more that microaggressions are an issue. We have to put those things into place. So when people are having these conversations and they're making these complaints that their employers or wherever they are, you got to know the right words, the buzzwords, the trigger words that have that conversation. Let me call the EEOC right now and tell them that there's a microaggression issue, they're going to hop on that. But if I don't know that, to your point earlier, we don't know, we don't know. If you don't know that, then you don't know the right words to get that state, get that out there so that that can be dealt with. And that's, again, that piece where we have to educate each other, have these conversations like this. But he did speak to something that actually had popped in my head a, a little while earlier, is that from the perspective of men versus the perspective of women, where, where are our minds with regards to the colorism issue? Because I, I know that there there's some thoughts around that too. Now I've heard some men say they. Yeah, let me let me fact, let me speak to that. Let me because we got a lot of callers mm-hmm. too. So let me speak to that, and I'm gonna go to you, Natalie, next. So what I also found this week, you know, again just reaching out to other millennials like yourself, Ebony, is what I consistently saw because I, I put up a little poll on the middle, on my Facebook page, and people said, well, it's not an issue for men, but it's still an issue for women, and I absolutely can agree with that. Uh, in, in a sense, we as men, one of the, one of the, one of my pollers pointed back to a time that I that I don't that, that I definitely remember. Whereas when I was young, in a sense, light skinned women and light skinned men. Again, I'm just speaking in general. At least here, in, growing up in South Carolina, 
they were in. I mean, not only in the industry, but within the, you know, oh, yeah. Within, <laughs> yeah, within our culture as well. And so what I'll say is, but as men, we definitely remember the shift, and we consider the shift with Wesley Snipe becoming kind of a, a hero, whether, you know, whether it was through New Jack City or whatever, but we always kind of joke about that that cultural shift where dark-skinned men became the thing. Me, myself, being a brown-skinned man, man, I didn't experience it one way or the other to a certain extent, but I definitely remember that shift, and it was like the dark-skinned brothers became, became the thing, and maybe it's a new nuance for our darker-skinned sisters right now, but it's, I would say it's brand new because our sisters, light-skinned sisters, have been held in, you know, in that regard. Like you said, Natalie, I want you to jump on, but you, like you said, you took it as a compliment, and as I said earlier, for men, we definitely saw it as a compliment to call. And people, men who still say it, think they're complimenting you when they say red bone, for example. Go ahead, Natalie. Yeah, it's it's. I never looked. I mean, growing growing up in Sweden and then coming to Atlanta in '94, and people calling me Redbone, I didn't look at that as a compliment. To me, I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't really understand <laughs> what, what that was. And, and what's up, Red? And it's interesting to me. We're talking about colorism, but some of the things that have been brought up today to me was racism. So the, there's a difference, you know. Um, as African Americans in the United States, you're dealing with racism, uh, obviously, on the job. That's why there are laws in place to ensure that that you, you're protected, right? And no one is understanding what those laws are. But even within our own community, there is this colorism existing. So I want us to be very clear on the conversations that we're having because racism is definitely there. I do believe colorism is getting better. And uh, the fact of, you know, light-skinned brothers or dark-skinned brothers, at the end of the day, it's about what your preference is. Just like uh, you might like somebody that's tall, somebody that's short. It's just a preference, but at what point is it an advantage for somebody being light-skinned or dark-skinned? Or I'm not hiring somebody that's dark-skinned or light-skinned as an African-American. So I don't, I feel like the colorism has disappeared you're still going to have your preference in what you like. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, didn't nev- I never looked at that as a, a positive when they called me red bone. I didn't. Um, again, no. I'm Natalie. Why are you calling me red? <laughs> right? No, absolutely. No, I get it. Someone, we actually have another caller. I was going to jump in. Let you jump in. Let me jump to this. Try to get my callers in. We still got to do our breaks and everything. I'll get to you after us on the, this caller. Let's do this. Area code 404, last three, two, nine, two. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and give us your three cents on this morning's discussion question. you got about a minute, so make it quick. Hi, this is Martin from uh, Marietta, Georgia. I'm going to make it as brief as possible. Uh, it, it Has colorism improved? Uh, I'd say for the dark-skinned guys, yeah. <laughs> There's a saying now that, you know, uh, dark-skinned guys are in season. Uh, but for, for, for women, I, I don't think so. Even looking at it from, um, you know, my native country, Nigeria, it, it's actually getting worse uh, because uh, Nigeria has, when, when we talk about bleaching products, we, 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 we outsell the rest of the world. Um, although it's a country that has, you know, a, a black, a dark-skinned majority, 
the light-skinned ones tend to be uh, favored, and so it is, it is encouraged. It's pushed a lot of people, a lot of women most especially, into getting, you know, uh, bleaching products to bleach their skin uh, just to be, you know, extra appealing, uh, you, know, to, you know, to the society in general. It's, 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 it's bad to, to the extent that uh, in, you know, corporate places, certain corporate places mm-hmm. in Nigeria, um, you know, they, if, you, if you're in, uh, invited over for an interview, they tend to favor the light-skinned girls uh, over the dark-skinned ones, uh, wow. you know, especially in jobs where you would have, where you would need a face, you know, like maybe like uh, Somebody out in the aviation them. industry, yeah, like customer service, you know, you know, jobs right, where you right. need a face. Yeah. Uh, no, I hate, so I hate to cut you off, King, and I thank you for that thought. No, thank you for that thought, because mm-hmm. I think it's something we're definitely going to explore. The cut that I'm about to play kind of plays to that as well. But I find it super interesting, and thank you for calling in, that we get this brother from Nigeria, African perspective, because I would offer, as a matter of fact, I'll say my thoughts after the break, but thank you for your thoughts. We're definitely going to explore everything you had to say coming out of the break. Thank you so much, Mark. Not a problem. All right. We'll be right back. Listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, all I ask is that you think. Did you know that 53% of violent crimes against individuals occur between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m.? That's over half during the daylight hours. What would you do if someone threatened you with a weapon? Don't get caught unprepared. Call your personal safety experts, B-Temps, for their street smart training. If you are a business owner, did you know that businesses are losing over $36 billion annually because their employees are victimized by violence? And over 80% of the violence takes place in parking lots and garages. In many instances, the perpetrator could have easily been warded off with B-Champs Street Smart Training. So whether you are a small private group or a large business, B-Champs offers a personal safety program to fit your needs. Contact them directly at 770-643-1286. Get that number 770-643-1286. Or visit their website at b-champsllc.com. My family comes from an ethnicity called Garifuna, and we're a mixture of West African and Awakan people. In our home country of Guatemala, there's a lot of indigenous folks and Garifuna folks together. And usually they get together and they have mulagu, like mm-hmm. like basically biracial children. Mm-hmm. And that was always seen as beautiful. Having that overall really shaped the way I viewed myself um, and feeling that I was never really beautiful in my skin. Um, so I had to literally like seek that out on myself to love my melanin. My two best friends are much lighter than me, right? So I have been standing next to my friends and people have literally not said hello to me because they are not seeing me. People literally ignore dark-skinned women. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Alisa Ward. This morning's discussion question, is colorism better or worse in 2019? Ebony Spratley on, as well as Natalie Bora Harrow. Ah, I can't get that name right. I'm sorry, Queen. I keep trying, and I'm going to get it right for the end of the show. I do apologize for keep messing that up. 
Um, but with that said, um, I had a great call from Martin before the break who just mentioned the idea of what's happening in Nigeria. And the thought I had and as I was getting ready for this week was, and somebody mentioned this on one of my posts, is that where I think we are all agreeing that it's getting better in 2019 here in the States, here in the South, when I hear a brother like Martin come on or hear the cut that I just heard, there are places outside of America where, as he said, skin bleaching products, these things are considered beauty products and are becoming fashionable and the thing in some of even our, you know, when we think of the motherlands, the countries in Africa. So it's kind of disturbing to me personally to see what I think may be a reverse in this issue happening outside of the country as we're getting better with it. Ebony, I'll let you kind of leave the um, thoughts with that. It's interesting um, because before we got on with him, I was thinking, you know, our I've always felt like black men will will be our savior, right? The, the more black men fall in love with themselves, they'll be able to fall in love with black women and appreciate them for all their glory. And this is how we, you know, come up on the forefront. Now, that's based off my experiences here with being in the in the States. With having family, I don't, I don't have any family in Jamaica, but I am very aware of what goes on in the Caribbean countries in regards to skin bleaching. Um, and again, that I, maybe they're, maybe they're just behind uh, the wheel, or maybe I can't speak for it because I'm just not there. But I do know that that is prevalent. As to why, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I do know that it, it comes from a place of, of lack of self love. And that's pretty much where I feel like most of it comes from. Even with, with my right. black brothers here, I feel like they don't represent us. They don't support us. They don't have our back enough to say, you know, my, my, my black women are beautiful. These are my sisters. The, you know, I protect them with myself kind of thing. And the more that happens with, for example, Kendrick and him being the first to make that step, it will always be a black man that will uplift us we've tried to do it by ourselves. We're doing it by ourselves, but we can't do it on our own. We do need, it has to be in unison. And black men need to fall in love with themselves also. Cause I did hear a few of them say, you know, black men, dark skinned men were in light skinned men. Regardless, they're all black men. It's a self love thing. And that comes from years and years of being mentally, you know, decapitated basically by other races. We have to bring it back. We have to, come in together entirely as a black race it's a black community we have to fall in love with our race as a whole no matter how light or dark you fall into that spectrum we're all still the same it sounds like no matter what country because I didn't even know they were dealing with issues in Sweden this is this is really opening up my 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 views on how this is yeah I've, I'm come from a real small part small part in the Bronx in New York and to hear so many different people, different hues, different colors, this narrative, it, it's bigger. And the only solution that I can come up with is that we fall in love with us first. No, that's an absolutely great solution. And one challenge I have for you, and I want to um, hear Natalie, Natalie hear your thoughts real quick as well. Um, one challenge I'll have for you is just to understand that as much as we're seeing some of this divisiveness within our culture that, that's out there, I think that gets played very loudly at the end of the day black men and black women are choosing each other, especially for their more committed relationships more than you see or is getting played to. I think there is an agenda to continue to, in a sense, divide us. And some of us are falling, you know, for that concept. 
ultimately, but yeah. when you look at the real numbers, generally speaking, we choose one another, but you are correct. The best way to improve on it and get it absolutely correct is more love for ourselves. So I do agree with you in that sense. Um, Natalie, any thoughts from you um, on, on this as well? Go ahead, Queen. No, um, it's funny because uh, getting on this call earlier, I kind of had one opinion and having hearing other people's mm-hmm. opinions and what they're seeing is kind of starting to change my opinion. And I'm like, well, am I so immune to saying and thinking that it doesn't exist uh, or maybe it just doesn't exist in my circles? Because I, like I said, I, 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 mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by a lot of people that run their own businesses, right? So we control our destiny and who we hire. Uh, my staff, for example, mm-hmm. I got um, all different colors on my staff. And when I interview, I don't look at that. I never interviewed and went, do I want somebody that's dark skin, light skin? So I'm not thinking or operating that way. So now hearing other people that are exposed to it still to this day, and even dating-wise, I've always had a preference for darker men that I've dated. You know, I've never dated light-skinned guys. That's just been my preference. But it wasn't because of colorism. It's just Natalie, you hating on the light-skinned guys. You hating on them. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, nah, I'm joking with you. I'm joking with you, Quinn. It's just it's a perfect time to say that. I'm just kind of messing with you. Uh, I, I want, matter of fact, I want Lisa to kind of jump in right here because of her expertise. Oh, and it's just to speak to that concept of of what she talked about earlier. How often we kind of it is, you kind of said it perfectly. You inoculate yourself because it's human nature to hang around people who are like yourselves. So you actually think that's the common experience. And as you hear these, these different experiences, they're very different. And so that's what Elisa always bangs on the, the idea that we have to still look out for others who may not be in our circle experiencing the, the experience that we've made for ourselves. Elisa, if you definitely could, you know, if you will, would you please jump in, Queen, and, and, and give us that context. Absolutely. Um, you know, and as it pertains to that, one of the things that is is a great analogy, a great way of looking at that is if you think about when you take that family photo, you're in the family photo and you're smiling at the camera, but the photographer and everybody else who sees the photo can see everything that's out of place in that photo. You think that you got it right, your makeup's right, your hair is right, you got your hair cut, your brother's got the line up, everything, y'all matching, all that. Y'all think everything's perfect, but the photographer says, wait, there's a hair on you, there's lint on you, there's this, there's that. Then the pictures get developed, and then you notice something like, oh, man, I had broccoli in my teeth, and they took that picture. So that's that's how we live. You know, it's impossible for us to see every single perspective of everything and see how it impacts everyone. However, what we can do is instead just be open to that. Just be open to other people's experiences because once you're open to that, then you do begin to see, you know what, there is more to this picture. There is more to that. And I want to speak to that brother talking about, you know, the bleaching and all that, that sort of stuff, you know, coming from, you know, people in other countries. You know, there's this, this monolithic machine that we have called marketing and advertising here in the U.S. And just we're impacted by it. We know that these TV commercials and all this stuff has impacted us and we are changing the narrative, whether it's slow or not. But imagine being in those countries and what they see coming from the America area. What what do they see on TV? What do they see as the the land of the free and brave and the, and the capitalism and how you can be successful? What are they seeing? They could be seeing exactly what we've always been seeing, but we've chosen now to try to take 
this into a different direction. And perhaps that's why this bleaching and sort of stuff is still so prevalent there. Because at the end of the day, these companies that are making this stuff, a lot of those companies, those folks don't look like us. They're just trying to make money off of whomever they can make it off of. So I, I think that we just – we just we just do it. We're doing the best that we can, and as we know better, it's not about doing better. It's choosing better. So let's just choose better even after we have this call today. What can I do better tomorrow to think about this colorism thing and move the needle forward? That's where my mind is. No, I absolutely respect that. What, I, what I'll say, just to, and, you know, speaking to that marketing, um, I, I mentioned earlier on the show that I would say outside of, uh, you know, our own culture, I was surprised some years ago I was on a play with the, Asian-American, I forget specifically which country, uh, but she was in the legal aspect that she worked for, in a sense, Asian. She advocated for Asian rights here in the States. And she ended up sharing with me how colorism is a major issue in certain parts of you know Asia from the standpoint of perspective-wise that if you're lighter, that that's an actual better thing even in Asia from the standpoint. Here's how it plays out in history. In history, you are lighter. You get this concept when you think of Asians wearing those little hats, you know, they, that they're, in a sense, that we kind of culturally see them wear, right? Well, the concept was those with means stayed inside, wore the hats, and there, whereas we, in a sense, try to, t- you know, we see white Americans, per se, try to tan here, where they stay, they tried to stay inside, out of the sun, in the shade, and those were people with means, whereas the the, the, the majority of the culture worked in the rice field. So if you were darker, you were seen as poor. And so there is a still a concept, according to this, you know, this Asian that I set by a few years ago, saying that that still exists, that the idea of being lighter, uh, where we might say it's driven by Americans' beauty standards per se, it's, it's their own historical context. So I was surprised to find that it existed, kind of like what you're talking about, Lisa. You know, you get in your own silo. So I was surprised to definitely open to find that out, open to because I love learning about other cultures, so I was open to it. But you know, and it made I never forgot that. So even though I knew it's been an issue in our community, and I do still think it's improving specifically here in America, I am. I will say I am. Say this, I am saddened by the fact that uh, that that marketing is being so effective that we are seeing or hearing that the things that we heard from Martin, you know, a caller from Nigeria saying, "Hey, if you're out front." They're going to try, tend to go with the lighter, you know, that, and to me that's kind of unthinkable when when we're trying to, in a sense, find our self-love of how we see blackness, quote-unquote, and to find out that that's prevalent in the motherland, is it, it, it's kind of hurtful. Uh, again, it, it kind of speaks to what I always say is our mental schizophrenia with this thing called race, which we all know, unfortunately, is a made-up construct that has real-life consequences, so it ends up being, to a certain extent, uh, you know, while we're speaking to it today. Let me go to another break before I got Brother Pianchi trying to get back in. If you're on the phone lines trying to get in this morning, you do have to press 1. I hope you are hearing that. You do need to press 1. The number to get in this morning is 646-787-1691. I'm a special guest, Elisa Ward, as well as Natalie and Ebony, helping us get through this morning's discussion question. But please, if you're trying to get in, you do need to press want to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. I really want 
MoneyMotivation.com is fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Elisa Ward. Our special guest for this morning's discussion question, Ebony and Natalie, for is colorism better or worse in 2019? We got Brother Pianfi trying to get back in, so we'll let him talk. Again, if you're on the line and want to get in, you do need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. You know, on that question, Brother Pianfi, we got you back on, King. Go ahead. Yeah, I think on that question is what people make of it. I'm going to run by some quick things here. Wakanda, you had a backlash because they had all dark complexion actors. Well, if it's a play on what the country, the society would look like in actuality and assembling the region of Africa where it would have been placed, the people are dark complexion. Now, I hear people say melanin is beautiful, okay? But lack of melanin is also beautiful for those who have lack of melanin, just as much as those who have melanin. Uh, To say whites don't have melanin is not true. But whites go to tanning booths, right, in order to achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve. Now, we and us, we and us has to be based on a circle. There's no such thing as our community because in the United States, if you have a community of Germans, um, predominantly Germans, they can't stop Japanese from moving in. They can't stop Italians, Jamaicans, or blacks from moving in. So that has to be more persistently specified. And like the gentleman from Nigeria was talking about, the emphasis on the bleaching cream is the safety because some of those creams, has carcinogenic effects, but a person using a bleaching clean has just as much right to alter or to modify their personal looks. It's their body. It's the same thing that's argued about 
when we talk about that baby in the womb. The woman said, it's my body to do what I want to with. Does it kind of make sense? Let me ask you this quick question. No, no, those are good thoughts. Um, but if you, let me ask you a quick question on the, the bleaching. Again, you're right. It's absolutely a choice. I actually spoke to uh, a plastic surgeon this week in reference to this conversation, and I'll bring some of her, her thoughts to the table on, on this issue. Um, but in asking that question, absolutely, it's somebody, someone's right. Uh, do, you, uh, do you recognize the perspective that some are doing it from a place of some people, again, not all, but some people are doing it from a place of, of, of self-hatred, and, uh, and if they're doing it for that reason, I'm definitely concerned with how they see themselves. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one who says, you know, tell them what to do, but I definitely would encourage, for example, if I'm fortunate enough to have children, I want them to have enough self-esteem that that wouldn't be their choice based on how they see their skin color. Just any all right, you know people that are doing it from that place. You, you know me, and I got this and one other with the Nigerian. Well, Patty Lavelle had a facial uh, change. Of course, we know Michael Jackson did. And you got uh, Stephanie Mills had a facial change. Well, did she hate herself? Uh, the baseball player, I can't think of his name, played for the Chicago. Well, yeah, here's my quick question because I want to get the other, other We don't know. Too. I was just we really asking. don't know. For, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair enough. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That's fair enough. All right, now, thank you for those thoughts. Um, Elisa, I'll let you. Um, kind of jump in. Let me let me share what the plastic surgeon had to say um, as well, because the, the, um, the sister that she's here in Atlanta, and she's um, extremely um, um, diligent about, for example, her patients that come to her who are looking for some type of alterations. She's very diligent about why are you doing this, and she uh, goes through a very extensive uh, onboarding process to where she tries to weed out those who are, for example you know, being in the Atlanta area and, you know, Hollywood's here and music videos are here. And so she quickly turns, I've had her on the show before, but she quickly turns away those who pretty much are just kind of doing it because it's the thing to do in the industry, whether it be, you know, getting a bigger uh, buttocks or whatever you want to say uh, and all these kind of things. So when she sees people are doing it just to kind of fit into a trend uh, and it's not in a sense of, uh, you know, let me do it for this reason, in a sense to make myself feel better, but to fit in, she tries to weed, weed those people out. Um, in reference to this particular um, issue, she says, you know, she's not seeing people concerned about that here in, in the Americas, per se. Um, she's of African descent as well, as far as colorism goes. Uh, but the one thing um, that she did say was, whereas the industry itself, as we've talked about, Ebony. Matter of fact, I'll start with you. She says whether the industry itself is starting to seek out the, the, the in a sense, the African um, phenotype as far as, you know, how we look, our curvaceous and things of that nature. But she's pointed this one thing out. She says as much as the industry has moved to seeking that out versus the long, slim models of the past, and, and that's the thing now, she says, but she, she, she says she has to admit, and I think we all might have to admit, but when we see that phenotype on other racial groups or lighter or mixed groups, they're still highlighted much more than African-American or African sisters with the phenotype that is now desire. Any thoughts on that, Ebony? I mean, um, I think what what I got from that is that when we see other races kind of adopting our culture and trying to make it their own, maybe make it make it marketable for their their profit, um, that I do feel like happens. Yes, I do feel like the more we own it, that it is replicated. But I also feel like even before we owned it, 
that it was being replicated. I feel like they were that other um, cultures adopt our our culture before we did. That's why I still come back to the same concept that we need to fall in love with ourselves because if we fall in love with ourselves and make ourselves marketable, then you know we, we wouldn't really have any much more to say about other people kind of stealing our stuff. So I think it's a matter of really paying attention to who we are. Other people see this in us. They they see what we look like. They get their bodies done to be to, to be natural to what we have naturally. They go get their bodies to go look like that. They're getting, you know, tints and darker and they go get tanned and things that are already natural to our skin color, our, our various hues of being black. You have light-skinned black people who have a slight tan like my nieces are. They're black. They have a slight tan. So there's other races that are trying to replicate what we do in their own way. We do get upset when we see ourselves in them, but if we change the narrative and say they're not taking from us, Let's just take ourselves and take what we know and become and set ourselves up for future. Like Natalie, when when I hear Natalie say that her her circle consists of a bunch of of a of a community of entrepreneurs, that should be in the black community more prevalent, where we're setting up our own futures, where we're setting our generational wealth for our children, so they don't have to worry about these issues. So I think the conversation is is very important so that we're able to cross-reference our information and gather more information from other groups and other communities in order to bring back to the, the, the communities that we're in and involved in and that we have reached to. So I'm glad that we were having this conversation because I'm getting so many different points of view that now once this call's over, I have a life to get back to. And the things that I, I, I gather from this conversation, I have to take them into account and make changes. No, I love it, and that's when you know when my brother Piyaki said, "Hey, these 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 life shattering conversations." I know he was picking on me with it or whatever, but it's just you know we do we do we do these hard I call them hard conversations on race and sex. But I did look at this, you know, from this context of what you just talked about, just a chance to be better. Maybe you hear perspectives that can help you be better. I, I feel ultimately these conversations are more or less what can we learn to teach better to the next generation, our own seeds, our nieces and nephews. Uh, who may be having these experiences unknown to us, uh, again, on certain levels, I still think the sentiment is that things are better in 2019, but there are definitely some problematic areas. And it may not be for all of us to solve, but, again, just to dialogue about it and see what, in fact, is better. Because, again, when I bring up the idea of the doll test just working a decade ago where our children, in effect, were still picking in general, not all children doing this, but the tests work pretty effective that our children were still selecting white dolls. You know, again, I think that plays a role in even colorism happening within our own community. So that does concern me. I, I do an after-school program, and uh, we have this one sister, you know, from um, – uh, her her background. They are from for for, for, for which, forget which country within Africa, but um, you know, love all the children in our program. I was actually again this how and this happens all the time when I'm preparing a show, right? When I'm preparing a show, things happen in my life that fit into the show that we're about to have. And so literally, we get, we're, on Fridays we allow them to have toys at the program, and so 
or, or, or I'm sorry, have toys for lunch, I should say, versus during the week they can't do that. Well, on Friday we let them bring one toy while they're enjoying lunch together. And so I was disheartened as we were going into this show to see this young sister with the African background come in with a white dog. Because I'm just like, what? Are we, you know, we don't do that no more as African Americans. I grew up, you know, my mom and them, they grew up with their white dog. That's all you knew. But, you know, we've kind of moved from that. And so when I saw her coming carrying that white rag dog, and I was just like, wow, we got this show tomorrow, and I see the sister, and I was actually hurt by that, just being honest. Uh, and, uh, any thoughts from you, Natalie, just again, just that concept, it, it still plays out psychologically, but I think we're all agreeing we are improving on it, and we can take moves like Ebony just applauded you for. If we take it and create our own narratives, we can worry about these things less. But, again, it's still out there. Any thoughts, Natalie? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. My, I think my first doll was white. You know, I'm 43, and in Sweden, I don't even remember our dolls having color. Um, then, as my children are growing up, I remember my son actually drawing a picture of our family, and everybody had different colors. Like, it was my mom who's white. Nice. Literally, the paper was white, and they drew my mom, and then they drew me, and I was like, a, a, literally, I was yellow, and my ex-husband, their dad, was almost black. And it, I looked at that growing up, uh, when they were growing up, and now they don't really, my kids don't really look at color like that. But when they were little, they did. Um, I think it's important to also, oh, by the way, I just wanted to say, all of those entrepreneurs that I'm running around, I never thought about what their colors were until this conversation. And I just did the math mm-hmm. of the closest 10 people that I'm around and 80% okay. of those entrepreneurs, by the way, are all African-Americans. And out of the 80% of African-Americans, uh, I would say about 30% are dark skin. Uh, about okay. The rest of us are light skin, right? Never even thought about it until today's conversation. Mm-hmm. And, as, mm-hmm. and, and all of us are giving back to our communities in different ways. I'm a big supporter of Nicholas House, which is a homeless shelter. And I started thinking mm-hmm. about colorism within that the shelter when I go in there and I volunteer and see, and they keep family. It's a homeless shelter for families. Right. And majority of them, uh, the families that come in and out of that shelter are African-Americans. And I started wondering when you just mentioned the whole toys and bringing in, are we making sure that the things that the children have in those after school programs, do they have access to those toys? Right. That are, Mm -hmm. are, are, the, culturally relevant to them. So, culturally relevant right, to them. Right, Absolutely. Right. Do they? So I mean, it's interesting. I, I'm I'm like really. Well, here's, away here's the good thing. Where actually, if I get the break, and I'll get you. Yeah, I'll get you, Alisa. I was coming out of the break, and what I'll say to that is, to me, that's what these conversations can do. It's just ensure that more of us ensure, like you said, if we're a part of these programs, are we ensuring that the programs are culturally relevant, especially when they're diverse? you know, opportunities because generally speaking, especially in the South, we didn't grow up seeing those things. And it matters for self-esteem and self-image later in life. These things lay a foundation. And so, again, that's what's worth having the conversation. Even if things are better, I think that makes it worth having the conversation, if you will. Well, we're going to go to another break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think.
apologize for the delay. We got a slight delay in the board. We'll get this commercial coming on right now. We'll be right back. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group, focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back again. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates with Special guest co-host, Alisa Ward, our special guest are Ebony and Natalie, as we're discussing, is capitalism better or worse in 2019? We're on our last segment. For all the callers that are out there, if you're trying to get in, make sure you do press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. Great conversation thus far this morning. Alisa, I'm going to kind of let you just kind of jump in on kind of what Natalie and I'll get Evan to get your thoughts on it as well. The the idea that we are, as I kind of backed her, that we are ensuring how to continue improving improving on this uh, for for the next generation again, which is why I think these conversations end up being most important um, to a certain extent. Any thoughts on these? So there's a psychologist Abraham Maslow who wrote a theory on human motivation. Um, and, and he has this whole hierarchy of needs that he talks about that, that are basic to every human. And it includes things like self-actualization, esteem, love and belonging, safety, and um, your physiological needs, right? These are all about our needs. But when it talks, we come to this issue of this colorism and, and, and all this that we've talked about today, one thing that comes to mind to me is, or two things, is, is about that those bands of esteem as well as love and belonging. So no matter what race we were talking about, as, as it was mentioned, about the Asian community or, you know, people in other other countries and, you know, in the Caribbean and all that, at the end of the day, everybody wants to belong. We all want to feel love, and there's also this need to, to deal with the, the esteem issues that we have. And when something happens to us, when we have human behaviors, it just kind of is reminiscent to me of, of the fact that when something hurts, or when something scares us, or when something angers us, we move away from that thing. But the question becomes, where do we move and what do we move to? In the case of many of us who have allowed ourselves to to become more educated and to embrace this, we might move to a narrative of deciding to do more, to act more, to learn more, to help other people, whereas some people may move away from that because of their fear, their anger, their hurt. For instance, those people who are coloring their skin because it hurts to be that shade. It hurts. So they've moved to a different place. They have a different coping mechanism. When I was growing up, 
one of the issues that I shared with people about me being light and being mistreated because of that, I used to go outside to get a suntan to try to make myself blacker because I didn't feel I was black enough, but it hurt to not be black enough. So I tried to move away from my light skin so I could be darker to remove that pain. What did I do? Subjected myself to skin issues, sunburn, all those different things because I was trying to move away from that pain. And so when we talk about this issue of colorism within us, I have to ask people, what are you moving away from and where are you moving to? That's a great question. No, nah, great question. Um, Ebony, yeah, let, what do you think of what Elisa just had to say? And, again, I'm glad to have the millennial perspective. Uh, when I got you, I didn't realize that you were in that rage, and we need this perspective. So when you hear what Elisa lay it out so brilliantly, um, you know, what, are your, what is your perspective about what she just had to say? Because I think that's an amazing place to, to come to uh, as we're coming to this conclusion on this on this segment. Yes, and I, I wholeheartedly agree I feel more connected with you, Alicia, because um, hearing that you tried to darken your skin and me growing up always trying to lighten my skin and use lighteners and not go outside and refrain from getting any darker than I already was, it, it you would think that it would cause a separation, but I feel you, you know, and that's, that's where I'm moving forward, moving forward to as a black woman, looking to connect and feel more in tune with my black people as a whole, black women and black men. I like to see a lot of myself and others. It makes me feel like I'm a part of something. And I think that now, that's what I want to be able to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's, I mean, I think what just happened is absolutely beautiful because not, you know, again, I know y'all met maybe a couple of weeks ago, but to what you just said to know that y'all were both in a sense doing it's exactly what Elisa talked about. Y'all basically were in a sense opposites on the color spectrum, but the reasons y'all were doing the things you were doing were similar. And so it's like at the end of the day, you got the what concept historically where we're, where people might have dissed this, this one another for this difference. But what I what some of used to have a, a pledge at the Mental Dialogue Live experience, and in that pledge. I mentioned the fact that we are more alike than we are different, and our ignorance is usually literally caught up in the small part of where we're different. That happens in so many aspects, colorism being one of them, but in generally speaking, when we're looking at someone as the other, if we were to just break down, like you said, Elisa, when you get into, you know, the hierarchy of needs and how humans at the end of the day just want to belong, the, the, the fact that we start focusing on differences and saying you should not be with us, when you break that down, that difference is usually a small thing, and it's a place of ignorance that keeps us divided. And here you are, Ebony, saying, hey, I feel even more connected to this woman to hear that she was doing the exact same thing but in the opposite direction when it comes to colorism. So there's so many things that if people had these types of dialogue, that's, again, you know, again, I'm one of my number one callers, so I'm not taking shots at when I say he was picking on me for calling it these earth-shattering conversations. Maybe this is not an earth-shattering conversation, but the dialogue is an example of what takes place when people dialogue versus debate, which we always encourage. At least you know that the Middle Dollar Community Club, we make a huge effort to, in a sense, have people open to others' opinions, even when we dislike them. We always tell people two rules, bring your passion 
we you know we 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 are not we're not politically correct. Bring your passion, but two, be respectful of one another. And I think that's exactly, in a sense, what's happened. Even though all these perspectives, in fact, have been different. And so, what I want to make sure I do uh, with the end of this segment, I, I was going to sneak in a caller if they wanted to sneak in. We got a little time, but what I'll do is I'm going to let um, each of you, if you will, give whatever your last conclusive thought on this morning's discussion of whether it's better or worse in 2019 and again, and just share how people can contact you based on whatever your business um, opportunity that y'all make public, make available to the public. And I will say that each of, each of this, if you will, text me any information that you give out now verbally, and I will make sure it, it goes up with the replay of the show. So text it to me or Facebook message me, and I'll make sure that that goes up, anything that you lay out for the public to stay in contact with you. Um, Natalie, I'm actually going to um, start with you, a conclusive thought, and share your contact information that you want to give out. Sure. Um you know, I came in thinking that colorism has definitely gotten better. I think it still has. Um, my uh, hearing everybody's viewpoints have been amazing. I'm actually taking some action items myself now um, to start being more aware of uh, the fact that it does still exist. And then more importantly, making sure that Nicholas House and the uh, after-school program that we support heavily in our company does, uh, making sure that they do have books that will speak on that, right? So that's going to be my action items for sure. As far as my contact information, uh, I'm avoiding her real estate group, hashtag, which is Natalie V. Realtor. And uh, my contact information is 404-844-9406. And our website is voriahogroup.com. Um, I will text you that information as well. So thank you for having yeah, me absolutely. on, uh, ladies. It was great to hear you. You guys are viewpoints, and yes, I also used to go out on tan, and I still do it. I'm heading to the pool to get tan because I love my my darkness uh, in the in the summer. Um, so hopefully, I'll connect with the young ladies because um, this is a great topic. Thank you so much for having me. No, absolutely. We definitely can all meet up at Mental Dialogue, September 20th, if y'all are in town. Ebony, if you will, thank you for being with us, Queen. If you will, um, a conclusive thought as well as any contact information you want to give out to the public. Uh, yes. So in conclusion, I I want to just send love to all my brothers and sisters and, and everyone else that supports and loves us as well. Um, that's all we need. We need love. And if you could just share it, love someone else, just give them love and compassion. I think we will all just be okay. And in my contact information, you guys can follow me or find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook. I'm very transparent and direct. So that's why I said you can reach me on those platforms. Uh, my social media for Facebook is Ebony, E-B-O-N-Y, Chanel, S-H-I-N-E-L-L-E. And you can also find me on Instagram. My business, my page is Forever Dope Management, and that's F-O-R-E-V-E-R-D-O-P-E-M-N, as in Nancy, G-M, as in Mary, N, as in Nancy, T. So Forever Dope Management. Follow me, guys. But DM me. Talk to me. I'm I'm always open to working and meeting new people and networking. Again, I work in the entertainment fashion, and nonprofit sectors. I'm a project manager and production manager. Sounds good. Alisa, thank you for your first guest. I say first because you've earned another one if you're open to it, Queen. So thank you for <laughs> being my guest co-host, co-host this morning. And if you will, 
Um, one quick thought. We got about a minute and a half before we end the show. And so, if you will, one quick thought as well as your contact information. For everybody listening, I will post all of their contact information with the replay. Okay, so my final thought to everybody is different does not always mean damage, but it should always mean determined to grow. And I think if we're determined to grow, then we can get ourselves in a better mindset to do so. Um, so as far as my contact information is concerned, my website is a word, A-W-O-R-D, and company.com. You can reach me on Facebook. My page is Ms. M-D, Ms. Word Helps. And every place else on social media, I am, um, my handle is I am Ms. Word, I-A-M-M-Z-W-O-R-D. Thank you for having me. Thank all of you. Y'all were all amazing. Thank y'all for listening, all the truth seekers out there. See y'all next Saturday, same time, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have a business or a service you want to get out to the smartest audience in the radio, please DM me or contact me directly at 404 404- Six zero four nine four seven seven. As we do with some of our shows, I'm going to play a tribute specifically to our darker hue sisters because, again, I think that's very warranted considering this morning's this morning's discussion. Um, this is a play by not a play but a poem by John Good called Dark. Uh, highly recommend y'all stay tuned in, and it will definitely be on the replay. All I ask is that you think. If you win to interracial dating, I'm not the cat hating on you. I mean, you got to do what you do. I mean, this day and age, you have got to love who loves you. But as for me, oh, I love for my women to be dark. I mean, dark as an African tribal dancer standing on the tropic of Kansas during a lunar eclipse on the summer solstice. Behold this solstice. Dark as a singer of mid-60s soul hits. She absorbs everything around like black holes or black hands holding biscuit biscuits, sopping up fish and grits. In other words, she is attractive. I mean, she, she proceeds with progress with no stress. She is proactive and she is dark. Dark, well-rounded and well-grounded like the roots in history, found in the history of old oaks that made it bend in the wind but never broke. Dark, well-rounded and well-grounded like the roots in history of old black folks that made bend in racial winds but never broke. Dark as the night that slaves took flight from murderous cotton fields where they were whipped, raped, and killed. God, their rod, in the darkness that envelops them, their shield. God, their rod, in the darkness of melanin, their shield. God knows I love them, dog. I mean, dark as the world through the closed eyes of a fetus. Dark as the world through the open eyes of these elitists. Dark as the open lies the Catholic Church has tried to feed us. Dark as scriptures, descriptions, and depictions of Jesus. Dark as the history of Uncle Tom, Uncle Ben, and Uncle Remus. Dark as the audience that was there the night I came to hear Nina Simone sing, Black is the color of my true love hair. I like her, I like her so dark, in fact, if she were to lay on black sheets, you'd have to question if she was there. I love that dark. I mean, dark as dirty oil, dark as fertile soil, dark as the prison population down in Macon, dark as the past we just left and the future we're facing, dark as the patrons who stay in establishments of Asians, dark as the mental outlook of kids hooked on Playstations, dark as the hearts of a racist instilled and filled with hate, dark as those dudes and dashikis that ironically most white girls date, dark as that coffee look that they got in the office, dark as my finances look since Bush, Got in the office, you know, dark. 
Dark is the grandmother land. Dark is my grandmother's hands that clapped in church on Sunday morning. Dark is Hawaiian coast that boasts of black sand. Dark is the glove held high above by black Olympians as they took the victory stand and throughout history took a stand for victory. I like the skin on my women so dark you understand that white women trying to catch a tan cannot help but hate it. I like my woman so dark she could go to funerals naked. I mean, I mean darker than the deepest depth. I mean, darker than the deepest depths of a well, so dark Satan would look at her and be like, you are black as hell. I mean, I mean, say, hey, if you into interracial dating, I mean, I ain't hating on you. You gotta do what you do. I mean, this day and age, you have got to love who loves you. But the procure, secure spot in my heart, it's like you gotta be dark. I mean, it's through and for the love of black women that I'm living so these days, only two black women that I'm giving my mind, body, soul, and heart because black people, we ain't never had much. And right now, we are all we got. And if we cultivate that seed, possibly we are all we need. I can only speak for me and only play my part. And you can bet the purity of these statements against the feather of my yacht and the scales will not cheat a tot. And I will not betray your heart because from this day to the last that I've got, God knows I love them dark. God bless you, black women.